You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Wentz from the shotgun, takes the snap. Here comes the rush. Wentz gets hit by Frank Clark, and Clark slams him down. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. First and ten, the play fake. Russell looks, going to lay it up for the end zone. Doug Baldwin reaches out, makes the catch. Is he in? He is. Touchdown, Seahawks. Powered by Seahawks.com. Welcome to a brand new edition of the Seahawks Insider Podcast as we get you ready for all things Seahawks ahead of their game Sunday against the Detroit Lions. I'm Jen Mueller, sideline reporter for your Seattle Seahawks, joined by John Boyle from Seahawks.com. Hello, John. Hello, Jen. How are you? I am finally rested. Takes a little bit to get get back on track from that thing, doesn't it? You know, when you go to London and I had a great time and you and I kind of palled around the city for one of those days, we had a chance to see not very much, but just enough to make it bit. feel like we were in London. And I don't think I slept a whole lot when I was over there. And I thought, man, I'm doing so great. And I landed and I went to bed and it took me about it, three it days. It caught up to it, you when you get back. It caught yeah. up to me. I am not the superwoman that I thought I might be. Which yeah. was a little disappointing to learn. I got to be honest with That's you. That's all right. We're, you know, we're not as young as we once were. Oh, isn't that the truth? And this week, it is not a trip to London. It is a trip to Detroit Rock City for the Seahawks. And, John, I think just in general, I mean, A, people are going to look at Detroit as a city and say, eh, I will tell you that the revitalization they have done downtown has been pretty impressive. And actually, the city itself has come back to life. It's kind of a fun place to go now. But from a scheduling standpoint, a few weeks ago, we looked at this and thought, ah, this is going to be, I mean, look, any game in the NFL can be hard, but the Lions look like a different team in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, if everyone's thought of the Lions as what they saw week one in primetime when they got blown out by the Jets, this is a very different team. And in a lot of ways, it's similar to what we've seen with the Seahawks. They started 0-2. They kind of found some things. They've been running the ball. They're doing a lot of things well. They're not turning it over. It's it really the formula they've been using is pretty similar to what has worked for the Seahawks. And all of a sudden, this team, just like the Seahawks, is feeling really good about the direction they're headed after winning three or four. And it's interesting because Pete Carroll this week talked about Matt Patricia. Of course, he was with the Patriots for so many years, and he's part of that Bill Belichick and that Patriots way. But I don't look at Detroit and see the Patriots. I know that there's some philosophical, you know, things that are similar. But you're right. When I look at the Patri- or when I look at the Lions, I see a lot more of the Seahawks than yeah. anything. Which is weird because for so long that offense has just been live or die on Matt Stafford. Yeah. And, I mean, you look at their rushing numbers in recent years. They're, you know, 30th, 31st, 32nd, like really bottom of the league. And they asked Matt Stafford to throw for, you know, 4,500 yards a season. That hasn't been this team this year, and it's no coincidence that he has been as efficient as he has been probably in his career. He's gone five straight games with a passer rating over 100, one interception against 11 touchdowns in their last five games. So you get that running game going, as we know very well here, it helps the whole offense. We'll dive into this matchup a little bit deeper as we go on. Uh, I know that Matt Stafford can be a handful for a lot of teams. I will also point out that he has not played his best game against Seattle, and you wonder if that's in the back of his mind at all. You'd hope so. I mean, it's. I'm sure that they're going to say it's not, and it's a different team and a different defense and all that, but we've seen over the years, whether it was Colin Kaepernick or Cam Newton for that stretch, where some there's been some good quarterbacks who, you know, Seahawks have had really good defenses, and they've they've kind of slowed down some really good quarterbacks 
repeatedly. So obviously you, you hope they can do that again. And given everything that the Lions are doing so well, I think it's especially important that the Seahawks are feeling really as good about this team as they have at any point in the season. And coming out of that game against the Raiders in London, you knew that there was something more than just Oakland having a down year. Because I think we can see now that it is a rebuilding year for Oakland. And you heard rumors of that when we were in London, who was going to be on the trade block and what was going to happen. But I, I think that even more than what Oakland couldn't do, it's what the Seahawks did do in that game. Exactly, and we've seen that really over the last few weeks, but especially that game was the most dramatic example of it. Is This team isn't just winning games. They're winning how they want to win. They're running the ball. I mean, they, they ran the ball, I think it was seven straight times on that first drive, uh, which, hey, first touchdown on an opening drive how in a while. How about that in uh, a long time? Yes, and, you know, they're winning the turnover battle. They're playing really good defense. It's It really is looking more and more like what Pete Carroll wants a Seahawks team to look like. So, you know, it's, again, it's not just, okay, they've won three or four. It's they've won three or four, and they've found something. And some numbers to back that up. According to TeamRankings.com, no team in the NFL has run it more than the Seahawks over the last three games. We are talking number of plays that have been running plays. Over 57% of the plays called have been runs, which, again, it's what they want to do because it opens up other things. The Seahawks, after the first two weeks of the season, were ranked 29th in the NFL in rushing yards. They are now at 7th, which is a dramatic increase. And look, I think that this says a couple of things. One, knee-jerk reactions after week one and week two are usually just knee-jerk reactions. Two, it does go to show how many, how much having a solid offensive line and having that trio of running backs yeah, helps. I, this offensive line to me is one of the stories of the season so far. I mean, this, this group has been kind of often maligned, sometimes fairly, sometimes not, for a number of years now. And they're not just, you know, being – a passably okay line doing a decent job. They're playing really well. I mean, the numbers show they've, they've been one of the best offensive lines, both in terms of the running numbers you mentioned and protection wise over the last four weeks of the season. So it's, you know, if, if all of a sudden this line goes from a question mark to a strength of this team, that that's, makes a world of a difference. I am wondering, though, when people are going to start realizing that this is not a fluke, right? Because I get the feeling that people are like, yeah, but they still need to upgrade the offensive line. With what? You, Why would you, you want to? Out on a great chance for DJ Fluker pun there. I but know. Anyway, I, huh? I intentionally moved right <laughs> past it because I knew that's where you were going. No, I, I think we're starting to get there. I've seen a little more, you know, in terms of national media and things like that. People figured out, like, okay, it's... You know, people complained about the guard play for a long time, and now you've got two guys playing really well in Fluker and Sweezy. Fetty was, you know, when you talk about the penalties, that was a very fair criticism. He had way too many penalties last year, but I think sometimes people piled on a little too hard on him, partly as a first-round pick, the expectation of there. He's playing really well. He had a tough start. Look, everyone's going to struggle when you open the season going Vaughn Miller, Khalil Mack back-to-back weeks, and he, you know, he got beat a few times. But these last four games, he hasn't just done okay. He's played really well. Yeah. Yeah. He does not look like he is out of place on that line at all. And for so long, people wanted to criticize the offensive line. Again, some of that is fair when you look at the numbers. I don't know that they fully appreciate. Like you mentioned, it's the protection. It's also the running game. How about this, though? The red zone efficiency best in the NFL. It's the best in the NFL. They are scoring 73% of their opportunities in the red zone. Remember how 
stressful and challenging that was to watch in the last couple of years where it wasn't a gimme down there. No, and that a lot of that goes back to having a good running game. It's, you know, it's easy to, I shouldn't say it's easy, it's easier to throw the ball around between the 20s than when you get in that condensed area of the red zone where, you know, you can't stretch the field because there's no field to stretch and all of a sudden the box is always loaded to some degree. They just struggled to run the ball the last couple of years, and when you struggle to run the ball, it makes a red zone hard. They've been really good in there, minus the one turnover last week. They've been darn near perfect in the red zone over the last few weeks. Yeah, which was a pass play to Doug Baldwin. And I think if there's any, I don't want to say fear, but maybe there's a little bit of a concern. Where do you see the overall health of this wide receiver group? And what happens, and how does Ed Dixon the tight end who we haven't seen yet impact that. Yeah, you know, I, it's going to be interesting with Dixon. And Pete Carroll said this himself on Wednesday. We don't really know exactly what he's going to be because he he was out so long. He basically missed all of training camp. So all they really know of him, other than you know what they the evaluation they did in free agency, all they really have seen is some offseason workouts, things like that. So you know, he's a guy they're excited about. He put up pretty good numbers in Carolina last year when Greg Olson was hurt, really high yard per catch average. So he's a guy that, you know, he's not a burner, but he knows how to get open and stretch the field down the seam, things like that. He'll add to that group. And then, you know, we'll, we'll see kind of how they work him in with the other guys receiver. I'm, I feel really good about that group, especially now that we're seeing Doug Baldwin get more involved and more active. And Tyler Lockett is having a great season five touchdowns leads the team. We're seeing the emergence of David Moore now, and then you start getting Doug healthy and going. I I really like that group. Do you think that David Moore, and let me just preface this by saying, you are not going to score three touchdowns over a two-week span every single time, right? Do you think... It'd be cool if he did, It would be super cool, and he would be part of the post-game interview every single week. But do you think that he can continue to produce, not exactly at that rate, or is there something that a team is going to figure out? about him you know what I mean to a degree I mean yeah it's sometimes it's easier to put up the numbers early but he's shown that you know we see those balls on the sideline that not the touchdown but the other catch he had the big catch in London that it's just you know that's a hard skill to teach some guys just kind of have that innate ability to go up make the play and he's good at that and to a degree a team can say okay this guy's a legit playmaker we need to scheme for him but are you gonna stop covering Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett with your best guys and you know it Go ahead. If you want to put a better corner on David Moore and put your third corner on Doug Baldwin, the Seahawks will take that all day long. Yeah, Um, and it's interesting. I think that this game does play to the Seahawks' strengths in a lot of ways, and we talked about these teams being in some ways mirror images of each other. When you look at the Lions, they don't turn the ball over. In fact, they have not lost the turnover battle since week two, and they have not committed a turnover in the last 13 quarters. You've got a Seahawks team that doesn't turn the ball over You've got a Lions defensive line that can get to the quarterback. I'm curious which one of those matchups intrigues you most because that's when we're going to start our kind of head-to-head matchup discussion. You know, boy, it's tough. There's a lot of them. I, maybe to me right now it's the Lions pass rush. That You know, you think you lose a pro bowler in Ezekiel Alonso and, oh, their pass rush is not going to be good. They have 21 sacks right now through six games, five of those without Ansa. So, uh, you know, We've, we just talked about how good the Seahawks line has been, how well they've been protecting. This is going to be a really good benchmark for them. You know, Can they get it done on the road against a really good pass rush? Ansa has been hurt since week one when he injured his shoulder, so not able to contribute on that front. Here's the number that I like about that Lions defense, and it's the yards that they allow per carry. 
5.3, worst in the NFL. But they tried to address that. We'll see how it works out. But they went out and made a big trade this week, bringing in the man known as Snacks, which I love that nickname for a defensive tackle. Um, you it know. seems like we would have had a few of those in our I mean, we've definitely had some guys now. who you know like what I mean? snacks. Like, I don't right. think we've called it. How is There's it? There's been a pork chop. There's been a right. What else? What have been the other good nicknames? I can't. I don't know, but it seems like again, snacks would have been taken a long time ago. How did this happen? How did we let this happen, John? I don't. We know. can call players anything we want. We could have given the, them the nickname. We could have. But anywho, they went out and they uh, tried to upgrade their run defense. We'll see how quickly. Harrison is able to adjust and kind of fit into a new defense. And, you know, maybe he's a little limited. The Seahawks would love that if he can't play a bunch of snaps. But, you know, I don't know if one guy can fix a run defense. But right now that looks like a matchup that, in theory, the Seahawks should feel good about. We have not talked about the Seahawks' defense at all up to this point on the podcast. And can one man make a difference? Well, I guess you could argue that yes, but maybe not as much of a difference, unless that man is K.J. Wright, who will be appearing in his first regular season game for the Seahawks. And I argue that his presence on the field will elevate the play of everybody else on defense. Exactly. I mean, it's not just he's going to make some plays, which you count on from him, but it's getting that extra veteran out there. You know, Bobby Wagner's talked a bunch about one of the big challenges of young and new guys on defense is the communication and, you know, just knowing what's going on. And you put those two together, they've played so many games together. They, they're always going to be on the same page. So it's, you know, we'll see. Pete Carroll kind of hinted that maybe they limit him a little bit just to ease him back in. But if they do, they, they love what they've been getting out of Archivius Mingo kind of taking over that role in the nickel packages lately. But yeah, it's, you, you really have, I mean, uh, not just a really good playmaker, but a, a savvy veteran who's going to help everybody. And it will be curious to see how much they're a nickel this week because Detroit is very balanced in their attack. They've got on Johnson, who ran for 158 yards, I think, last week alone. And... The Lions are one of four teams with two receivers, Golden Tate and Kenny Goldberg, with eight or more catches of 20-plus yards. So they they can still sling it down the field. You're going to need those guys downfield to make stops, but I don't know how you allot your resources, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, we go back to the balance. That's why offenses love to have that balance. I mean, the Rams are the best example of it, that – they play all that 11 personnel and kind of force you to play nickel, but they can still run it. And if you can run it out of that personnel group, it, you know, you make teams play nickel, get a little lighter on the field. So, yeah, it'll it'll kind of be an interesting chess match, see how that works out. Perhaps one of the reasons that of the 149 rushing attempts that the Lions have had this year as a team, they have only been stuffed 11 times. They have only lost 23 yards on running plays, which makes sense if you're going a little lighter and you're being you're able to run the ball out of that same personnel group and kind of get some of those yards. It makes sense, but that is a pretty impressive stat. Yeah, and again, it's weird to see that out of this this team because all I, all I can think of is past games against the Lions is how many yards the staff are going to throw for, and the running game is the afterthought, and they've they've changed a lot under Patricia. Yeah, uh, that number, by the way, the Lions are sixth in the league with the fewest amount of yards lost on running plays. You want to know who ranks fourth in the league? 
I'm guessing maybe the Seahawks. Your Seattle it'd be Seahawks. Weird if it was just it a would be weird team if and I, you asked me who right. ranks fourth. Yeah, boy, that I didn't do that one very well, did I? I could have yeah. disguised it a little bit more. But the Seahawks, 180 rush attempts. They have been stuffed 11 times, just 14 yards lost. So they have lost yardage on running plays 6% of the time. I did not do the math on that. In case you're wondering, I actually found that math was already done for me. I, I did just, the research. I thought you just, just did it the on the math. fly right now. You know what? I am blowing my chance to really seem like I'm smart yeah. and like I know numbers today. I don't, which is why right. I am in the industry that I am in. When you take a look at this game, again, we've noted how many similarities. Does it feel to you, because the more I dive into this matchup, does it feel – I even hate to say this. You know where I'm going with this. Does it feel like it's a must win? Uh, I hate that term. I know. In a a 16-game season, they're all so important. But I I understand that, you know, when you talk about these games are so important. When you're – this is a fellow NFC opponent, you're probably – you know, you you can't rule out the NFC West, but the Rams have a pretty big lead. So the more realistic scenario at this point is looking at the wild cards. And when you start looking at those, you look at all – there's a – big cluster of teams with three, four wins right now. And, you know, every game against those teams is going to be really important because the first tiebreaker is going to be head to head. So, you know, look, is the season over if the Seahawks lose? No, three and four? Of course not. not. But, you know, it's, it's a really important game in terms of playoff positioning for sure. I would agree. And I do think that there's some opportunities for the Seahawks as we wrap up this conversation, but um, the lions have scored 17 or more points in 15 consecutive games. If the Seahawks defense can come through and do what they've done, I would see that streak ending. And I think ultimately what this comes down to is who wins the turnover battle. Yeah. It's really cliche to say, but I, you know, when I look at the matchups, that's, it, it's hard to ignore that one. As you were saying earlier, the lions have been so good at taking care of the ball lately as have the Seahawks the Seahawks secondary and their defense overall have been so good at getting takeaways so you know I I think it, you can't assume it but it's probably likely that Russell Wilson and company do a good job on their end so it's can that defense keep getting the takeaways they have been and if they do I really love the Seahawks chances I do too that'll make for a really nice flight home on Sunday night I'll take it are you uh, you're planning to watch some college football on Saturday I might be going to yeah. find a place yeah. Oh, yeah why not that is the best part of a Saturday on the road don't yeah. tell our spouses well yes I'm saying we my, get luckily to spend I don't think my wife listens, listens this podcast, watching but. football I tell my husband that I'm prepping for the game and that I got a lot of stuff to do actually I just parked myself in front of a TV and I watch football all day yep I think we deserve it, John. I I couldn't agree more. Certainly after our work this week on the Seahawks Insiders Podcast. That'll do it for us for this week's game. We will be back with you next week to break down what happened against the Lions and continue to give you all the inside information on your Seattle Seahawks. We'll see you next time.